Well, I often uh, feel like I don't have anything really different to say, and I guess that's okay. Um, as long as I think what, what we're talking about is, isn't intellectual speculation or just brain knowledge or theory, but really trying to stir one another up to live before the Lord in truth. I think often of that place in Peter where he says that he... He's repeating things he's already said to them, but it, it could be good for them. And I feel like that's something I feel sometimes too. I'm repeating things I know that we've talked about before, but it could be good for you. might not. But I hope it is. I hope, I hope that uh, truth sinks into our hearts a little bit more and more all the time. Uh, not... not for the purpose of just understanding it, but always for the purpose of living it. And I'll just say say again that uh, I've for a long time been convinced that the only reason that <clears throat> the Lord desires us to know the truth is that he desires us to live the truth and to live in the truth and to live under the truth and for the truth to live in us. And... And for us to become living expressions of the truth in every way. And, um, and I think whenever you separate truth from a real sincere desire to live in it and to live under it and to be a, um, a, a, like a living vessel of it, then you're doing something with, with the truth that was never intended to be done. <clears throat> and I guess that's kind of like a little bit of what I wanted to talk about today, what was on my mind this morning when I finally felt like something maybe came to my mind a, a little bit or sprung up a little bit in my heart was was just along along those lines that we talked a little bit last week about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is always the thing that God's aiming at in his dealings with us. It's never <clears throat> never anything other than that. When God when, when God took Israel out of Egypt and brought them uh out of the under the bondage of Pharaoh, there was always one thing in his mind. There was always one thing he kept talking about and kept referring them to and it was this this uh, this promised land that he was going to fill with his own glory and his own nature and his own... He, he, he brought them out, Exodus 19, a verse we've looked at a bunch of times, and brought them out by his outstretched arm and he, he raised them up on eagles' wings and brought them to himself. And then he said, now listen, if you just, if you just walk in my covenant and you and you listen to my voice and obey my voice, then, then I'll make you a kingdom of priests. Um, and and, and that, that kingdom is what the Lord is always aiming at. It's what Jesus came and talked about. It's the, it's the goal, I think, of God. It's the goal of God because it's the thing that man 
fell out of. It's the, it's the thing that God created in the beginning. He, he created a kingdom. And what was that kingdom? That kingdom was a, was a living um, universe of created things and beings that all, in every conceivable way, received from him and, and gave expression to him. That's the kingdom of God. It's God's life and light and power and nature and righteousness and goodness and truth. Not imposed upon man from without or upon creation from without as something contrary to it, but actually living in it and expressing itself through it. The kingdom of God is that living environment, a living giant glassy sea, a sea of glass-like crystal where everything in it receives like like glass, like crystal, so to speak, uh, receives his light and, and his life and his power and his truth and manifests it in all kinds of different ways. God is received, God is enjoyed, God is experienced, God is reflected and manifested and expressed. That's the kingdom of God, where everything in his kingdom is experiencing his will, walking in his will, loving his will, living in his will, and expressing his will in everything. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray. Let your kingdom come in the, in the one place where it's not. Because it's, it's, it's come in, in, in the heavens, there is a, there is a, a perfect expression. That's what heaven is. It's... It's, it's the perfect living expression of the will of God. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because on earth, there's, there's a whole creation here that's fallen away from that kingdom. And, and, and we, fought, we fell away from that kingdom by turning away from his life and light and power and truth as the thing that was living in us and reigning in us and filling us. We became the vessel of another nature, of another, of another power, of another kind. And, and, and that's, what, that's called the kingdom of darkness. And it's, it's, where, it's where fallen souls and fallen spirits, evil spirits of men and, and, and angels, uh, live by another power and in another nature and according to another purpose, and with another will. And, and, and in every way that anything created by God lives in and by and for and from another nature and power, that is not the kingdom of God. That's another kingdom. That's another life. That's another nature. <clears throat> and, and, it's, and ever since something in creation started to live by, something in this fallen outward creation started to live by another nature and life and power. That wasn't righteousness, that wasn't truth, that wasn't love, that wasn't gl- the glory of God and, 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 and the perfect kindness and goodness of God. God has been seeking to redeem it. He's been seeking to bring it back to what it fell out of. And the only way to do that, as we've talked about, is to give it back the thing that it, uh, that it lost. And, and the thing that it lost was the life and nature of God. You can't just give it back a teaching. That won't do anything. 
you can't just give give back a fallen, wicked, vile creation that lives in its own will and for its own purpose and for its own self-love. You can't give it a new philosophy of life. All all that's going to that's going to do is just give give something evil uh, uh, um, a, a, a you know, three steps to trying not to be evil while while it continues to live in the same nature. No, you have to give it back the thing that it lost. And the thing that it lost was the life and nature and power and truth and righteousness of God. And and the only way to, to be in the kingdom of God is to live by that life and nature and power and truth. You can't be in the kingdom of God and not be living by the nature that is the kingdom of God. You can't be... You can't be in the kingdom and live a live a different live, live a different life and nature. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. And that's why Jesus says, in order for anyone to enter into the kingdom, you have to receive the kingdom first, like a little child. In other words, in order for you to actually experience that that um, giant sea of glass where everything reflects and experiences and receives and manifests the kingdom of God, the nature of God, that same nature has to be alive in you. You have to receive it. You can't do it unless you, unless you become different than what you are. You can't, you can't receive it unless you, you become like a little child. And if you become like a little child, then, then, then you'll receive the beginnings of it. It starts in you like a mustard seed, he says. It starts in you like a pearl, like a little hidden pearl, like a little, like a, it's something that's contrary to you. It, when, when you find it, it's not going to be like you because you've fallen away from it. You see, when you find it, it's not going to be anything like anything that you find in yourself by nature, because by nature, you're the thing that has, that has departed from it. That's what, that's what man's condition is. And so, so you have to, it's, it's a strange thing to say, but it's in you and you have to seek it. <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit last night in another meeting I had. And he puts it in you, but you don't find it naturally because it's totally different than you. It's, not, it's easy for you to ignore it because it's, it's going the opposite direction than everything in this rushing current of, of uh, your own mind and will and flesh and your heart. Anyway. The, the kingdom of God is, is the goal of God. It's the thing that Jesus came talking about. He didn't, he didn't come principally or primarily to correct doctrines or to change um, different aspects of their interpretation of the law. He came and, and he said that God had, had, had made a way for everyone that wants to to enter back into the kingdom that they've fallen out of. And he was that way. That's what he said. I'm the way. He's also the king. He's the, he's the king that is coming to reestablish a kingdom. And the only way to experience that kingdom is to come under his reign and his government. And that's what he was coming to do and to give. Not to be a great teacher, although he was a great teacher. Not to be a great not only to be a great example, although he was the most incredible example, but to give something that can actually give a birth, give birth to the kingdom of God and the soul of man. And everything 
everything starts right there. Everything starts with the, the recognition that the kingdom that we're experiencing is fallen, is corrupt, it's selfish, it's proud, it's dark, it's dirty, it's confusing, it's perverse, it's distracted, it's pursuing, it's a million other things that aren't the one thing it was created for. Everything begins by realizing that the one thing we need to pray, I mean, not, not just with these specific words like a formula or a ritual, but the one thing we really need to pray all the time, every day, all the time is this, let your kingdom come and your will be done in me. Otherwise, I'll continue to be another kind of kingdom living in another kind of will. And, and that, won't, that won't actually do anything good. As long as I live in that other kingdom, by that other will, teach me whatever you want, train me how to do whatever you want, I'll always be something contrary to you. And so Jesus comes and he says, here's what the kingdom of God is like. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm about at the, during this time, this, this short time that I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to, do, to do a couple really important things. I mean, not just a couple. We could really obviously talk forever about all that he accomplished. But, but if I could just, for, for the sake of this little talk I'm giving here, Break it down. I've, I'm, I'm, I've come to, to open up a way back to that kingdom and, 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 and not just open up a way back, but I've come to actually give you a measure of it inside of your own soul that will show you the way and become the way and form the way, the life, the nature, the righteousness will actually turn you into a living experience of that kingdom. But here's the thing. You can never enter into the kingdom. You can't go out unless you first receive it in. You can't enter into it unless you become like a little child and receive it in meekness and humility, smallness. You can't, you can't experience that new life and light, new to us. New to us because we fell out of it in the beginning unless you receive it like a child. And that's the thing that God's aiming at. That's, the, that's where he's going and everything he tries to do in man. We, 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 spent, we spent weeks, I don't know, a couple months, two, three months, I don't know, talking about uh, the, the things that God showed Israel in the, in the wilderness and the, and the way that he began to teach them the, the covenant and the boundaries of the covenant and what it meant to walk in him and to stay in him and abide in him. And uh, we talked a lot about that. And, and, but, but you have to realize that even though it's good, I think, and helpful to talk about how, the, how all of that, what the, all of that is talking about and how it works in us and, all, and, and uh, what it means to walk in the covenant and to bump into the boundaries of, of the covenant and the light of Christ that shines in our heart. But, but all of that was with, from God's perspective, uh, was with a with an aim of bringing a people into a kingdom. That's where the Lord wants to bring us. That has to be our goal, really, all of us. That has to be our goal. And here's why. 
because it's God's goal. It's what it's because it's what God's trying to do with you. People are always trying to find God's will, and they're trying to say, "Oh, what's God's will for my life?" And they're always looking outward. They're always looking outward at things. And and, and I'm not going to tell you that God doesn't have specific things. He also wants you to be involved in or do. But but if you really want to know God's will, it's not actually found in those things. It's found in this one thing that he's wanting to do with every single one of us. What's God's will for my life? I I can tell you what that is, at least in a very general sense. It's the kingdom of God. And that's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and, and seek the nature of that kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's what, you're, that's what you're here for. That's what your life's about. There's all kinds of other things that are going to be involved in it outwardly. But here's the real reason that you have breath. Here's the real reason I've given you time and space. There's a kingdom. God once created man so that man would be a living receptacle and vessel and showcase of his love and light and glory and truth. That man would be part of this this enormous universe that expresses the nature and light and love of God. And man fell out of that. And so God's will for man isn't just that we do this thing or go to this place or be a part of this other thing or, or accomplish this thing or build that other thing. His will for man is to bring us into the experience of his kingdom. And he'll do that. He'll do that if we present our hearts to him. If we, let me say it this way, if we offer ourselves to him as an environment in which he can freely do what he wants to do. And that's, that was kind of the, the, the thought that dropped into my heart at last uh, this, this morning. What is that environment? The Lord, if you talk to a, 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 a farmer or a gardener, there's, I don't know if it's, I'm not a farmer, but I think, I think it's probably right to, to say that so much of what they're doing in order to become a good farmer or gardener has to do with creating an environment for the seed. I, a lot of you guys have been, uh, hearing a little bit about what like the group in Venezuela right now is, is doing with, um, that, with that, the group that we're in touch with all the time with in, in um, Caracas. And, 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 and uh, it's kind of amazing to see all that is going into creating an environment for their, their, their they bought those acres there on the, the finca, the, the farm there. And, and they're, and they're making their, they're pulling out enormous rocks and they're flattening beds and they're creating compost that is made of a very specific mixture of manure and green things and wood chips and all. I don't even know what goes in there. And then they're like getting it to a certain temperature and then mixing it up again and get and all of it to make this perfect compost. And 
and all these different things. And it's all, it's all for one purpose. It's all to create an environment where the seed, which is the same seed, um, but, but in, in the right environment, that seed in, in, a, in a ground that doesn't have all the rocks and all the weeds and isn't on a slope and they flattened it out and then they fill it with this compost that, they, that they've flipped over and waited until it got to 74 degrees Celsius and then flipped it again and all this stuff. And then they look with a microscope to see if it has all the little, I don't know, the little living goobers and stuff. I don't know what they're called in there that, uh, that, that are necessary. And, and, and all of it is is for one purpose. It's it's to it's to it's to create this environment where the seed will naturally do what what it does. And and I think about that. And I, I was just saying, if you if you were to ask a a farmer or a gardener what what they spend so much of their time doing, I think they they would say, well, it's it's about creating an environment where the seed will do what it does what it wants to do, what it naturally will do. And as Christians, I think it's easy for us to learn all about Scripture, learn all about true things, uh, marvel even at the lives of people who have experienced the life of God, who have experienced uh, um, the kingdom of God. Um, it's easy for us to believe in all of the problems that are in the world, that are even in the church. It's easy for us to come to an agreement that our hearts are, are wrong, that there's problems, there's corruption in our own hearts. And, and yet, actually not, at the end of the day, not present our hearts to the Lord in such a way that he can, as an environment in which he can really do what the, the one thing, the only thing that he desires to do. And if you, everything in, in, um, in Christianity is gained, I think, I think you could say this is gained by our offering the Lord an environment to do what only he can do. There's a lot of confusion about this in the church. People say, oh, you know, how, how do you how do you grow up in, how do you grow up in Christ? You have to do this and do that and some people say, you know, you can't do anything. Man can't do anything and that's true. Man Man can't produce life. Man can't produce righteousness. Man can't study enough to have spiritual light. All of that's true. Um, but, but what man can do and what man has to do, what we all have to do, is we have to present to the Lord, present our hearts to the Lord in such a way that gives him the freedom to do what only he can do. And, and I think you can say that all of that is takes place when we, if, if I had to summarize what that is, what, what that environment is in the heart of man. What is the environment where God teaches and corrects 
and and fills and changes and transforms and purifies and frees and 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 causes his will to be done and his kingdom to come in the heart of man what is that environment what what is it that's so important for us to present before him i think you could say it's a it's an environment where there is a free and voluntary submission and following of the Spirit of Christ. It's a willing, heartfelt, giving Christ the supremacy, giving Christ uh, the reign over our own will, over our own desire, over our own perspective, over our own mind. If you believe everything that's true and don't live like that, then I believe all of your learning will do, all of your believing and learning and studying will do no good. There's a way to give the Lord freedom. And that is a constant, humble, resigned submission a seeking, a humble seeking, turning and submitting and following of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the environment. That's the environment where life can be born. New life can be born. That's what Jesus means, I believe, when he says you must become. He doesn't say you... you he doesn't say that one of the options is to become like a little child. He says you must become like a little child. What is that, what is that nature of that little child? What, what is it that, that creates good soil? What is it that makes an, uh, the heart of man an environment, a living environment where God can actually be freed I know it sounds weird to say that we get to free God up to do what he wants to do. But the fact of the matter is, guys, we are by nature always, when we're not living in that humble, turned, soft, submissive, resigned, seeking and following, then the fact of the matter is that we're living in a stiff-necked, willful, rebellious, selfish, proud, contrary way that in every, everything that we do is resisting his work. Can man resist the Spirit of God? You bet he can. That doesn't mean that man is more powerful than God. It just means that God won't work in man contrary to man's own will. Man could resist God even when man was in paradise. Angels could leave their proper habitation. They could abandon their, their abode. As, as Jude, Jude says, and, and Jude uh, 1, 6, maybe 5 or 6, somewhere around there, Angels left their proper, by their own freedom, by their own will. They resisted the grace and power and light of God. Man can do it too. Man does do it. Man has become a nature that seeks his own gain. Man has become a heart that, 
that, that is corrupt and, 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 and selfish and proud. And so I know it sounds a little bit strange, and I know the Calvinists would argue against this and say, you can't resist the grace of God, but I, I su- 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 submit to you that the entire Bible from the very beginning to the very end demonstrates in countless ways that man indeed can and does resist the grace of God. And yet there's a way. Yet there's, a, there's first of all, a desire of God to restore man to his kingdom. There's a way that God has opened for man to walk with him back to it. There's a gift of God that he's sown into man a measure of his own seed and light and life and grace. And there's a way that man can actually allow God to do everything in us that we can't do for ourselves. And that's that environment that I'm trying to talk about, an environment in the heart where where God is given freedom to do everything that he wants to do. And and if I, again, if I had to define it or just try to describe it in words, I would say it is a constant, humble, resigned, seeking, turning, loving his appearing, submitting, following of his perfect spirit in our hearts. That's the environment. Again, the environment where that seed, that's the compost that the seed grows in. That's the ground. Jesus's parables, they talk about good soil, don't they? They talk about good soil and they talk about bad soil. The seed is the same in every one of them. The soil is different. Some of it's rocky. Some of it's got too many birds. Some of it's got thorns. Some of it's got weeds. Some of it's filled with, with, with tears. Some of, some of it, there's, there's different kinds of soil. And the only thing that makes one soil better than another soil, it, it doesn't, again, you, you know, it doesn't say that the sun is different, that the water is different, or, or that the seed is different. The one thing that makes it Different is the environment that the heart offers to that seed for its growth. And what is that environment? That's, that's, that's what I'm interested to, to talk to you about. When, when, when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about truth, the, the, the goal is, uh, how do I say it? We... We have to change how we live for the truth to actually have um, its effect in us. I know there's ways to misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I, I see them and I, I feel them popping in as I'm as I'm saying them. <clears throat> but the even even Jesus said John chapter eight. He, John chapter eight thirty one thirty two. Then Jesus said to those who had believed in him. If you abide in my word, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The truth is powerful. The truth can make you free. But if you don't offer the truth, that environment, 
where it can work in you, then it will do nothing for you. Isn't the truth powerful? Isn't the truth, can't the truth do everything? Yeah, Jesus was the truth and he stood in front of Pontius Pilate and he said, those who are on the side of truth, listen to me. And Pontius Pilate said, standing right in front of the truth, what is truth? Truth needs an environment. We must abide in the truth for the truth to make us free. And we are naturally, again, naturally and quite automatically contrary to it. Our own life, our life in the flesh has a different will, has a contrary will, has a contrary nature. And that that the mind of man can study the truth every single day and yet resist it every single day that he studies it. Jesus came and he could have explained every single mystery of nature and grace. What I mean by that is he could have explained everything naturally. He could have explained what black holes are. He could have explained planetary orbits. He could have explained microscopic things. In, 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 in. He could have explained the human brain. I mean, he could have explained anything. There was nothing hidden from Christ, neither in nature nor in grace. He could have explained the great mysteries of how to understand election and how, to, and how the, the soul receives the every. I mean, he could have done, explained anything, everything. And, and what, what he did, though, was he taught us how to live before God in such a way that his seed, that his grace, that his power would have an effect. He taught us how to offer God an environment where life would grow, where flesh would die. He taught us to deny ourselves. He taught us that that the real problem is in the heart of man, that that's where uncleanness comes from. He taught us that, the, that, that in order for, for change to happen, the tree had to be made of a different nature. The tree had to become good. And, and when he commended people, he didn't commend them ever for their great learning or for their great understanding or for their great uh, any, anything except for this one thing. Think about Mary and Martha. Mary chose one thing. Well, what was that one thing? It was the way that she was living. It was bringing her life, bringing her heart to the feet of Jesus Christ, bringing her eyes to the guidance of his spirit, bringing her heart before the person of Christ. And Jesus said to that condition, that's it right there. That's the one thing necessary. I don't, I don't know how much Mary understood at that time about really anything. I don't know what she really understood about the Trinity or about the actual nature and way of redemption or I, or the fall of man, or, or, or the end of the world. I, I, it, it's, it's clear she had some uh, misunderstandings because she ran to Jesus and said, 
If you would have just come, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. But, but I do know that she, she found something that Jesus commended and said, said of it that it would never be taken from her. That, that she's living in the way where something will be gained that will never be lost. How, how are we living? That's a good question. How are we, and I, I, don't, I don't just mean how, how are we living outwardly. I actually primarily mean how are we living inwardly? How are we living? Is our heart an environment like Mary's? Is our heart an environment where things are brought underneath the Spirit? Are we good soil? There's a lot of kinds of bad soil, lots of bad uh, environments. There's, there's some that live in constant absent-mindedness about spiritual things, carelessness, apathy. That's, that's one kind. There's some that live in constant excitement and pursuit of other things. They're always looking for what's next, looking for what's different, looking for what's pleasurable, what they want to have and possess. They, they agree that truth is good, but, 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 but my will is more exciting. That's another kind where the, I think the, the seed doesn't find a whole lot of room to grow. Some live in the constant pursuit of uh, wisdom and understanding, but their hearts never come underneath the truth. You see, they never, they never really submit to the truth. Some la- allow themselves to, to sink under discouragements, disappointments. And this, is just, this is, can be another way, I'm guilty of this, of focusing on self. Not, not self in the way of like just like self-praise and high opinions of myself, but still self. Self focusing on self-hatred or self, self-disgust. Or... Some, some love the outward fruits of Christianity, but, but don't pay any attention to that inward life and root. There's a, there's a lot of ways, I think, that we can present our hearts as a wrong environment. Scriptures talk a whole lot about grieving the Spirit, quenching the Spirit, resisting the Spirit. In fact, as we've looked at this before, but in Acts chapter 7, when when Stephen, under the power of the Holy Spirit, it said the Spirit of God came upon him and his face even shone. And under the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the thing that he said about Israel, the one the one, uh, what's, the, what's the word, like a verdict, I guess, the one verdict that he gave about Israel in that day and in all of their history, he recounted the history of Israel going way back to the beginning. And he said, here's the main problem, guys. You are stiff-necked. That is to say, you have a strong will and you always resist the Holy Spirit. And that's why the environment 
of our heart is so important. And I'll just close with this, just repeating what I've already said. The good environment, the good soil, my best attempt at describing it, has to do with turning inward and coming under. Turning inward, because that's where God's working, and coming under the Spirit of God. Because if you go, if you live over on top of it, you're continually a burden to it. You're a heavy weight on top of it. It has to do with turning inward and coming under. It has to do with meekly, humbly submitting, turning, and following. Not on Sundays and Wednesdays, not in the morning only, not in the evening only. It has to do with offering that environment. It has to do with doing what Mary did. Coming and looking and staring and watching and loving and following and submitting. And living like that. And if you live like that, that's all we have to do. Because then we're an environment for power and grace to live in, to work in, to move in, to change in, to convict in, to teach in to cleanse in and purify, to transform, to bring us closer and closer to a living God. But that one environment, we can't skip it. We can't forget that one thing. We can't just study stuff. We can't just hear stuff. We can't just read good books and listen to good teachings. We can't do everything else but then deny the Lord that one environment where everything else comes to be real. We can't do that. Turn inward because that's where he's working and get underneath his spirit because staying on top of it will make you trample it under your feet. And then you're an environment where grace does everything. Grace changes your heart, changes your mind, changes how you see, changes how you feel. Not instantaneously and automatically, progressively, but, 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 but in a real way, discernibly. Grace moves and grows. Grace reigns, like, like Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Just as sin once reigned in us, now grace can reign in us. All right, amen. Um, I'll stop with that.